Uh, hey, welcome everybody. So glad that you're with us in Waukesha. If you're over in Pewaukee, happy good morning Sunday. How are things doing if you're online? We're just really glad that all of you joined us. And Dad, one more time, thanks so much for setting the example for your families on the importance of being here at River Glen each week. And for that, I have a gift for you. I did it first service. I did it last night. I promise you I will end five minutes early. Today, today I want to show, we'll start with a show of hands, who likes food? Yeah, right? Now, who loves food? Who really loves food? Yeah, I'm in that category too. Kelly tells me my love language is food, and I keep telling her, it's not in the book. It's not a love language. But that's a, just an issue between the two of us. But we are so serious about food. We are a culture who loves our food. We're so serious uh, about food that we even have contests involving food. Now, there's a famous food eating contest coming up in the next few weeks. Anybody know what it is? Hot dogs, right. Nathan's Fourth of July famous hot dog eating contest at Coney Island. This, this is Joey Chestnut. He's won several times. Last year, 2021, 76 hot dogs plus buns, eight minutes. Yeah. Now, many of us are familiar with the hot dog eating contest, but I did a little research. Just like there's the NFL, just like there's the Major League, MLB, Major League Baseball, just like there's the PGA, there is an MLE. That stands for Major League Eating. And if you name the food, I promise you, they have a competition for it. They have prize money. They award championship belts. And by design, those belts are expandable. Um, <laughs> But here are just a few. I just looked up a few. I thought this first one, it was super appropriate because every week here at River Glen, we have donuts. Glazed donuts. There's a championship for glazed donuts. If this seems like a good one to enter, you have to eat 55 in eight minutes because that's what Joey Chestnut did. Next one up. I would enter this one. Tacos. World record for tacos. 53 tacos, 10 minutes. Guess who? Okay. But this is not about Joey Chestnut this morning because I found the baked bean contest. And I really don't want, in the, in the days following this competition, I do not want to be around anybody who participated in it. But the world record for baked beans, 10 pounds, 1 minute, 45 seconds. Just, you know, just <laughs> chugging. Okay, that's a bad visual. I've got a worse one. Mayo, take a look. Three, two, one, go. Okay, we're not going to show eight minutes. You get the point. The world record for eating mayonnaise, four jars, four 32-ounce jars, eight minutes, Michelle Lesko. And uh, so food is important to our culture. And here's where we're headed with all this talk about food today. We believe that eating is one of the best ways to be on mission with Jesus. We're in the middle of this series. It's based on a book called Bless. And in this book, it's written by Dave and John Ferguson. They're pastors in Chicago. And at River Glen, we talk about making more and better followers of Jesus, which is really all about helping people find their way back to God. But making more and better followers of Jesus, that's not just River Glen's mission statement. That's my mission statement. That's your mission statement. It's our mission statement because as followers of Jesus, we all have a part in this. And so the purpose of this series is to equip us 
to be on the Jesus mission because Jesus did give us a mission. In Matthew chapter 28, it's called the Great Commission. It's the end of Jesus's time on earth. He's about to ascend into heaven. He's got all his disciples. And in Matthew 28, he says, therefore, go into all the world, go everywhere and make disciples in my name, teach them everything I taught you and baptize them in my name. Now, oftentimes, we read a passage like that, and we think like, okay, well, go into all the world. That's what missionaries do, and that's what churches do. I'm not a goer. I'm a stayer, so I don't really have a part in it, and staying always sounds easier than going. But that's not the context. That's not the word Jesus used. When Jesus said go, he simply meant wherever you are. Wherever you are in life, whether it's at work, whether, whether, whether it's hanging out with your friends and your family, wherever you are, go and be my witness. You don't have to travel across the ocean. You just go and you teach people what I taught you. And, and so this is not a mandate for churches in ministry. This is a mandate for all of us. And as I think you're going to find out today and throughout this series, this is way easier than you think. I honestly believe that all of us want others to become followers of Jesus. We want that to happen. But sometimes we don't know how to be in the, involved in the process, so we jump into that stare mode. And, and so we just sit on the sidelines, and we miss out opportunities in life to help the people that God has put into our lives. And, and the idea of being Jesus' witness, I get that it's challenging. It can be scary to go and share the good news. And, and we've probably all had all sorts of different experiences of people trying to voice the religion on us. I can think of several times where I'd be in Milwaukee or other big cities, and you ever see the street preacher? This is a guy. He's got this big Bible, and he's yelling and screaming. And if you get too close, you're just afraid he's going to whack you in the head with the Bible. And he says, repent or go to hell. Right? That's one way that we've seen people do it. Another one, how about this? You ever walk down the street and, and somebody runs up to you, they hand you a Bible track, and in a Bible track it just tells the story of the gospel, and they're like, do you have any questions? Do you want to believe in Jesus? Or how about this? This is my all-time favorite. Somebody knocks at your door. Would you like to know about Jesus? And so when we think about sharing our faith, those are the images that come to mind. And those images, they can be scary because a lot of us aren't going to be able to stand on a street corner, run up to people, or knock on doors. I'm not going to do any of that. But here's the good news. We know that according to vast amounts of research, the number one way that people become a follower of Jesus is through an existing relationship they already have with a follower of Jesus. Over time, they're able to share their faith. And that's why we're doing this series. This series is designed to equip and to challenge one another to be involved in the more and better practices, the more and better process in the lives of the people that we already know. And the best way to be on the Jesus mission is to live out the blessed practices. And if you're here today, this morning, and, and I hope some of you are, that you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I just want to say, don't tune me out because the blessed practices will help you in any relationship that you have. And, and the reason why I say if you're not a follower of Jesus, we, we want our church to be open to everybody. But blessed stands for five missional practices. And the first one is begin with prayer. Remember week one, Ben talked about the power of prayer and, and the prayers. And if we don't ask those prayers, those prayers never get answered. And then and last week, if you were here, if you were watching the line, Jason, right, he pulled out those big, those big ears, so he was 
teaching about listening. And today we're going to talk about what is possibly my favorite one, which is eating. So we'll spend some time on that. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about serving and sharing. And it's when we put those blessed practices in place, in the patterns of our lives, that's when we can become effective of helping make more and better followers of Jesus. But we love to eat, and we're eating on the go. So, so many times we're eating on the go, we're in our cars, or we're eating all alone. But growing up, for me, it was completely different. Every night, it was dinner with the family. In the summer months, like right now, if one, one parent, if we heard one parent yell on the block, time for dinner, we all intuitively knew we all had to go home. We didn't need to hear our own parents' calls. We knew that dinner was at 5 o'clock, and everybody went running home. How many grew up with family dinners every night? Yeah, it's kind of disappeared a little bit. Uh, many of you, you have the same memories as I do sitting around the table. Eating with people is important. But more important, it's more important than most of us realize. The Health Board of Canada recently released a list of benefits that children and young adults receive when eating regularly with their parents. Eating together as a family leads to healthier eating into adulthood, lower risks of eating disorders, less use of cigarettes, drugs, and alcohol, better self-esteem, less depression, better grades, and higher achievement scores on tests at school. Eating together as a family is a great way to bless your kids. And I can close my eyes right now, and I can picture the dinner table growing up. My dad was here, my mom was here, and then the rest of the kids around the table, we all had an assigned seat. If you sat in your old brother's seat, in your older brother's seat, you found out, and so you didn't make that mistake twice. Did anybody grow up with assigned seating at the dinner table? Yeah, 60s, 70s, 50s, welcome. Okay, I dated myself there. But, but the statistics prove it out. Eating with people has enormous benefits for kids and adults alike. And Jesus recognizes. He recognized the importance of eating together. And if we talked about, if I said, hey, what are some of the things that Jesus did on his time on earth? What we would do is we say, well, you know, there was that time where Jesus, he, he taught the 5,000. And, and so he had this teaching ministry. And, and we'd probably talk about Jesus' healing ministry where the blind saw and the deaf could hear. And, and, and then we talk about things like in the Gospel of Mark, it seems like Jesus was praying all the time. And, and Jesus was praying a lot. And then there was the miracle, the nature miracle. He was walking on water. And then, of course, we talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And those are some of the things we'd immediately come up with. But did you ever notice part of the way that Jesus saved the world was through eating? In In fact, a lot of what Jesus did in his ministry, it was centered around meals. First miracle, water into wine at a wedding feast where people were eating. He fed 5,000 people lunch in a countryside where, where they sat down and they ate together. The night before Jesus was crucified, he brings his disciples together one last time and they share a meal. And then we look in the Gospel of John after Jesus' resurrection. He's on the beach preparing breakfast for his disciples. Eating was a big deal in Jesus' culture. It was a symbol of love. And we're people, like, we're eating in the car, right? And we're trying to steer like this, and we're just scarfing, right? We're scarfing down food. And so because we do that, I'm not sure we even really understand how central eating was to life back then. 
Eating with someone in Jesus' day, it, it was a statement that you wanted to be associated with them. It was an affirmation of that person's value, their dignity, and their worth. Who you ate with was a statement of who you loved and cared about. It was who you considered to be your equal. And this is why it was so outrageous to the religious leaders of Jesus' day that Jesus frequently ate with the lowest of the low and the most despised people of his day. Respectable rabbis, they don't eat with people who are not part of the good people group. Now, here's one of the best examples we find in the Gospel of Matthew. And this is about Matthew, the tax collector himself. I, I don't know if he knows Matthew, if Matthew knew Jesus at this point, but he's about to in a big way. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so here we are. Picture this. Jesus is walking down the road, and he sees a tax collector, Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. And Jesus walks up to Matthew and says two life-changing words. He simply says, follow me. Tax collectors were the scum of the earth. Most Jewish people considered them to be traitors. Tax collectors, they collected taxes for the Romans, which, you know, that had to be done. But what it made it worse is they collected more than they need to, needed to. And so they collected as much as they could get away with. And so for Jesus to call one of the most despised, hated guys to be a disciple would have been shocking. And notice the first thing that Jesus does after he said yes, after Matthew said yes to this invitation. He doesn't invite Matthew to a class on how to become a disciple. He doesn't challenge Matthew to start studying the Bible and reading scripture. Those things are important, but look what Jesus does first. He went to Matthew's house to eat. And who else is at Matthew's house? More tax collectors with a whole lot of people commonly referred to as sinners. Now, we've got to note that this term sinner, it is a derogatory term. It refers to a non-religious person or someone who's wrapped up in an illicit lifestyle such as prostitution. And so here's Jesus, this respected rabbi, and he's eating with the most despised people of the day. He is hanging out with lowlifes. And to the Pharisees, this is disgraceful and shocking. The Pharisees are so offended by this dinner party, they try to undermine Jesus behind his back. They go up to his disciples and they say, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus overhears them. And I can just picture like, Jesus reaching for another piece of bread. He's about to dip it in olive oil. And Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor the sick. Now, Jesus isn't telling the Pharisees that they're healthy and that they're good people who don't need a doctor. That is not at all what Jesus is saying. When Jesus goes on and he says, go and learn what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting the very scriptures that the Pharisees claim to know inside and out. See, the Pharisees were the best of the best at performing religious rituals. But while they were busy keeping all the rules, they were ignoring the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized. So Jesus gets in his, he gets right up in their, in their faces and he reminds them of what God said. God said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And Jesus is telling them, you don't know what this scripture means. You don't understand it. And if you do know what it means, you're not living like you do. And so they're hung up on rituals and rules while they're ignoring the needs of people. Jesus was on a mission with his life, and the Pharisees didn't get it. See, for the Pharisees, their priority in life is obedience to regulations, where Jesus is coming from mission to people. And the tension between Jesus and the Pharisees over who Jesus ate with, it's not an isolated incident. Check out Jesus' criticism here. The Gospel of uh, Luke, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by the lives of those who follow it. Jesus wasn't a drunk. He wasn't a glutton. But he so frequently ate with people that were that he got accused of being a drunk and a glutton a lot. But what we see in Jesus' life is that eating's integral to the mission of bringing people to God. Jesus was a missional eater, and he blessed people by sharing meals with them. He changed their lives by eating with them. Eating was a big deal in Jesus' culture, and it's a big deal in our culture. Friendships are formed around the table. One of the best ways to go forward in any relationship is to sit down and have a meal with someone. Henry Nouwen, he's a theologian, and he wrote this. When we invite friends for a meal, we do much more than offer them food for their bodies. We offer friendship, fellowship, good conversation, intimacy, and closeness. When we say, help yourself, take some more, don't be shy, have another glass, we offer our guests not only our food and our drink, but also ourselves. A spiritual bond grows, and we become food and drink for one another. When we eat together, we're doing more than simply sharing a meal. We're living on mission. But always in life, it sometimes seems like the easiest things are the hardest things to do. And that's why so often we get stuck in this mindset of hoping that more people become followers of Jesus instead of being on the Jesus mission and helping that process along. I, wanna, I want you to think about the people and the places God is calling you to bless. Throughout this series, we've been referring this card, and if you don't have one, definitely pick one up at the Connect Wall. But on this card, it gives us the five blessed practices, and it also gives us an opportunity to pray and ask God, who is he asking us to bless in our lives? And there's a, a place to write in their names and, and, and places you feel God might be calling you to. So grab one of those cards, and then keep that front and center, because we are all called to be a blessing to others. And, and maybe the person that God is calling you to bless could be a, a neighbor, could be a family member, it, it could be a coworker or a friend, 
Or maybe you feel like God's calling you to bless a specific location. It could be a nursing home, an apartment complex. It could be an organization that focuses on the hungry, the marginalized, the people hurting in our community. It, it, it could be one of our community partners. But here's the tough part. When we start thinking about the people and the places that God has called us to bless, sometimes we, begin, we, get, we become a little uncomfortable knowing that we have a role in the process. And we reluctantly don't want to do it. And so because of that, we start making up excuses why we should just leave it for someone else. I, I know I've done that in, in my past. Have you ever made up excuses like that? We start coming up with things like, I don't like to have people in my home. And so we use that to justify that. Maybe that is your reason. You don't know how to cook or, or your house is messy. If that's you, there's super, super simple solutions here. I, I, I live in what I lovingly refer to as condo land. And every single day I see Uber driver after Uber driver dropping off food. So I know you don't even have to know how to cook. You can be well fed by just simply picking up your phone. Or you can go to a grocery store. You don't even have to prepare a meal. Go pick up a rotisserie chicken, a bag of frozen broccoli, throw that in the microwave, and you now have a gourmet meal. That's still too much for you? Waukesha County has hundreds of restaurants. They would love to have you come and eat there. Now, maybe you're going to say, well, my house is messy, and, and I'm not even sure where we keep the vacuum, so I don't want to have people over. I promise you, if you invite someone to your house, they are going to be so excited to be there, they're not even going to know. They're not even going to notice the mess. And so you remember, the key isn't here, is the house clean? The key isn't, what are we having for dinner? The key, it's all about who are we having dinner with? Here's another common excuse. I wouldn't know what to say. I get this. Most of us, we're not used to entertaining. We're not sure how the evening would go. We don't know what to do when that awkward silence is going to come, and you know it's going to come, and that's why you have this excuse. But let me encourage you with this. Last weekend, Jason taught us on the importance of listening, and having people over gives you the proper context to live out that missional practice of listening. Instead of worrying about what you'll say, focus on what you can learn about the other person. Here's some starter questions. You can make up your own, but if you're not good at this, just take a picture of the screen and just start here. Where, where did you grow up? Not everyone grew up where I grew up, and so it's a great conversation starter. You know, what was your family like? Were you the youngest? Were you the oldest? Are you a middle child? And you never have to ask someone if they're a middle child. By the way, I am. That just shows. You can tell. Uh, what kind of jobs have you had? Do you have? What do you like about the workplace? What challenges are you facing? What, what do you do for fun? What are your passions? What are your pursuits? What do you spend your time doing? What about the future? What are you dreaming of? What are you planning of? What do you think five years looks like from now? What about 10 years? And if you have a couple, people love telling the story how they met. Just ask that question. And then focus on listening. There's a million questions that you can have. So instead of worrying about what we're going to say, just focus on being present and listening to the people that God's put in your lives. Now, here's a third excuse. The biggest one of them all, I just don't have 
and myself included, many of us, it's a hard, you know, with evening schedules and crazy calendars, it's hard enough to find time to eat with your family, let alone other people. Finding time to eat with other people can seem impossible. But think about it this way. We already have eating locked into our schedules. How many times a day do we normally eat? Three. Last night, guy sitting right there said 10. I think it was Joey Chestnut. Three times a day, lots of us go to coffee shops. That's another time. So we have three to four. We have seven days a week. We have three to four times to eat with someone. That's 21 or 28 times opportunities. It's already built into the rhythms of our lives. We're already going to do it. And so just keep in mind, like Jesus did, you can change the world by eating. Any table, my table, your table, a restaurant table. And I'm not talking about you're going to go out to eat with someone with, with this agenda where you're going to say, so you want to know about Jesus? That's not what it's about. It's about growing in a relationship through the blessed practices that will allow those conversations over time to naturally come. And we believe in this eating practice at River Glen. Every Saturday night in the summer, we're going to have food available where we can practice missional eating. And in Pewaukee, every Sunday after service, there's going to be food available where you can sit down and practice this because we're trying to live this out as a church. Don Rowe, he's one of our pastors here, and uh, he just struck up an amazing relationship with Nori. They're the owners of uh, Casa Noble, and they sat down and they put together a video for us. Let's take a look at this video. Hey, everyone. My name is Don, and I am here at Casa Noble, and I'm here with my good friend uh, Nori. And we're in the middle of a blessed series, and I'm so grateful that she's opened up her, her restaurant so that we could come in and just talk. So he came in with Allison his wife and they sat at a table and they were the only customers here. We had just opened, I think, maybe a couple months. There was nobody in here and we were all bored waiting for people to come in. It was Halloween and we invited them to the bar to play a family game and they accepted and we thought that was the best thing ever, that that was so cool for them to do. I remember we used to come here and eat occasionally when it was a different restaurant and we came in and I remember taking uh, the first bite of food here and thought, she's gonna be a friend of mine for the rest of my life if she keeps serving food like that. But no, truthfully, um, I remember you inviting our family to sit up at the table and I, I was just kind of surprised and you had your whole family here. I remember uh, the first time that we were here, like you said, we were alone, but we left. You said, God bless you. And I thought, she doesn't even know what I do for a living. Uh, that's really interesting that you said, God bless you. And the next time we came in, I noticed that you said that to all your customers. I thought, man, I gotta, I gotta be more like Nori. I, I need to make sure that I'm recognizing other people and I'm more kind to other people. I said, God bless you to everybody because we had a really hard time opening this place and we left it in God's hands. And from there we said, as a thank you, not because we have to, not because we feel like we need to, but we feel appreciation towards God and we want to say God bless you to everybody that comes in here because we want everybody that comes in here to be as blessed as we are. We have the best customers, we have the best family members, we have the best everything. So, I mean, just that in general, I can't thank God enough for it. You know, a lot of times when I hear the word bless, I think about it as a, um, I've got to go do something really huge for, for somebody and that can be overwhelming. But what I've come to realize is that 
really just having a meal with somebody is a blessing. And because I'm not the most outgoing person, sometimes I think having people to my house could be really difficult. But sometimes it might even just be inviting somebody to a restaurant. And well, ever since I was a little girl, my mom would always say that even eating was a worship, a way to worship God. So for me, it's important because when you share a meal and you're with friends and family, you're also worshiping God at the same time. So yeah, I feel it's, a, it's an important time. Yeah, it, it is kind of a form of worship is, is to honor people and bless them, you know, the way that God and, and Jesus have blessed us. So, and it became less about the food and more about the friendship. We like sitting up here where we guys, we can sit and talk with you guys. Isn't that a great video? Last night, I actually got invited to go to Casa Noble, and Nori is just as great in person as she is on that video. But don't you love stories like this? On the surface, you go to a restaurant, it is a business transaction. They come, they take your order, you enjoy the meal, you thank them, and you leave a generous tip, and then you go on. But I love how this, this transaction developed into a relationship between their families. Allison and Don became part of Nori's family, and they became part uh, of Don and Allison's family. And they share, they share stories about raising their kids together. They, they give each other advice. They pray together. They pray for each other. And a couple of things in the video, I just love how Nori said, hey, come up to the countertop, leave that table, and join us. Be part of our family. And then when Don talks about having a meal with someone can be just such a blessing. And I think what makes this story really great is it seems so rare. But since that first meal at the restaurant, the two families have grown in their relationship. I already told you a couple of things they did. They've been, Don and, Don and Allison have been invited to the baby showers. Nori and her family have come to River Glen for services. They were here for Christmas Eve. And Allison invited Nori's daughter, Vanessa, to go to Panama with us in April. And God being who he is and, and God doing what he does and aligns everything, Vanessa became the much-needed translator on that trip to Panama. And think about that. That's just all based on Don and Allison going out for a meal one time and over time, practicing those blessed practices. Look at how that has grown. And so I'm just blown away that, by that story. But what if stories like that, what if they weren't so rare? What if we made stories like this common in our community? What, what would Waukesha County, what would Waukesha look like if all over the city, our homes, restaurants, they became hubs for eating together? And not just eating together, but a place where people connected, where they listened to one another, and where they cared for one another. And so these black practices come with a challenge. So here's your challenge for this week. Counting coffee shops, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, four times seven is 28. You have 28 opportunities. I have 28 opportunities time to pick a time, one time slot this week to go out and have coffee, have breakfast, have lunch, have dinner, a restaurant, Casa Noble, your, your place, wherever you want to go. But the challenge is for you to pick one time where you're going to invite someone to go out to lunch, whatever. Maybe it's the first time you asked them. Maybe you've asked them before. But just make a commitment to go out for a meal for one time this week. Now, how great of a challenge is that? When do you ever come to the church and they go, therefore, 
go eat. So that's your challenge. We're going to finish with communion right now because communion is a meal. And in our, our communion here at River Glen, it's open to everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus. If you're watching online, grab some bread, some juice, whatever you might have. If you're in the room right here, and if you've not grabbed communion yet, they're right at both entrances when you come in. But what we're going to do is we're going to do this together. And so we're going to take this cup, and we're going to peel this back and get to the bread. And, and Jesus said this bread, it represents my body. He said, it was broken for you. He said, eat this and do this in memory of me. Let's take the bread. Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup represents my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you, God, for loving us and doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We were separated from you. We were sinners. We were enemies. And that's not how you wanted it at all. You wanted us to be reunited with us, with you. And you did that through your son, Jesus. And Jesus came. And he demonstrated with his lives and his words and his actions how you wanted this world to be. And then one day Jesus went to the cross. All of our sins, everything that separated us from you was taken care of in that moment. And because of that, we have the promise of eternity. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for that. But as we're in this, this series called Bless, and we're talking about these missional practices, God, we want other people. We want you to use us to bring other people to the place where they'll be a follower of Jesus, where they can say that their truth is you and their promise of eternity comes from Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for giving us the simple gift of eating that we already practice. It's ingrained into our daily lives and that it can be used for changing lives. Lord, I ask in this room right now over the next few minutes that you would impart, you would implant, you would bring people to mind that you want us to bless individually. Or, or maybe it's a low occasion, God, where you want us to just, you want to send us and you want us to be your blessing there. Show us people, God, that you want us to engage with. People that we can pray for. People that we can listen to. And God, people that we can share a meal with all in the hopes of being your hands and feet in growing in relationships. God, we want to be part of that process of making more and better followers of Jesus. And so we come to you and we ask you to fill our minds and our hearts and give us that courage to take those next steps. God, I pray that every one of us here has one meal with one person this week and that as a result of it, that person is one step closer to becoming your follower. God, help us make this world more like you always intended it to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.